Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you joined me today. This podcast is for neurodivergence by a neurodivergent. I'm an ADHD coach with ADHD and ASD, and I am here to help. So let's spend some time together now and maybe learn a few things. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. We're back with season two here after a nice little unannounced summer break. Oh, that was so ADHD of me. I had several of you sending me some emails and messages over on my socials just asking, Hey, is your podcast still going on? And that's when it hit me that uh, I never shared in the last episode that I was taking a summer break. So thank you for your understanding, friends. We're back now, and we've got a good episode to kick things back off with. I'm going to be diving a little deeper into some of the topics that were touched on in Season 1, going through some other diagnostic criteria, going through a little bit of that late diagnosis journey. I have some interviews I'm beginning to line up for the next couple of months or so. But for today, I have an episode that I wrote uh, before deciding to go on my summer break. Depending on the week, I either have a script that I've worked on already so that I can get through the episode and get the information out to you guys. But there are times where it just kind of comes to me and flows as I'm working on the episode. But this one is one that I really did want to put out there uh, and just didn't get that opportunity when, you know, summer hit and life got really crazy. But hey, this is coordinating chaos with the ADHD ladies. So we're rolling with it. We're working with it. And uh, here is the episode. Oh, but just a really quick reminder, friends, that you can go follow me over on my social media accounts. Instagram is the ADHD lady. TikTok's the ADHD lady. And so is Facebook. Don't forget to keep an eye out on Instagram and Facebook for upcoming classes. And also for info about my accountability crew, which is a weekly body doubling group. You can email me at the ADHD lady at gmail.com to sign up. Okay, now let's dive in. For a while in my life, I considered myself an extrovert. Until I realized that it was really just a way for me to escape my reality at home. So then I considered myself a homebody because I realized how much more relaxing it was when I could just be alone. Mm. But then I thought about it and I considered myself an ambivert because I realized that sometimes they did like being social, but it had to be on my own terms and with the right people. I now know this battle was a war in my own head. ADHD and autism were battling against each other hard, and no matter what I did, I couldn't seem to win. I couldn't find balance because I didn't know how to create balance. I didn't know myself. So how could I? I didn't know how to set boundaries, not just with myself, but with other people in my life. I didn't know my social limits. I would get excited after seeing one person and then would go hard with planning and scheduling and then over schedule myself and then burn out big time when all was said and done and then couldn't see anyone for weeks or months because I just couldn't handle it. I knew I needed community when my life got tough, 
But after the thick of it, I couldn't figure out how to maintain those relationships. And there have been multiple times in my life where I had these phases where people came back out of the woodwork to be there for me and to support me. And I was reaching out in those moments. When my son died, when my divorce process started, I was seeing friends constantly. But the problem with all of that was that it was really difficult to maintain when I didn't have the urgency of the pain or of the excitement of the time that I was in. And the act of actually maintaining those relationships felt like it was so much work. And it was work that I didn't even know how to do. I'd battle in my head about, well, how long has it been since they last heard from me? Has it been too long? Do they hate me now for not reaching out or texting back? And I would dive deeper into my own head and create more stress that made initiating time together just as tough as the idea of it. I lived in this cycle for nearly a decade, until more recently. And don't get me wrong, I still have things to learn, rules that I haven't come across yet, but I have a much better grasp on the social subtext of what is and isn't allowed, but more importantly than any of that, I have a better grasp of myself and my needs. Knowing who the authentic version of Amanda is has been key to me making new connections, setting boundaries, expressing my needs, and reconnecting with people I once spent so much time with, but had fallen out of touch with. And I'm not going to lie to you here. There have been a few people that I started to reach back out to, but too much time had passed and they didn't have the space for me in their life anymore. And that's on me. Of course, I wish that were different, but I didn't know better then. And it's something I was doing over and over. The cycle would repeat. So unfortunately, I put myself in this place. I didn't do it intentionally. I didn't want to cause anyone else harm. I didn't want to hurt anyone or make them mad because I just didn't answer or I just didn't initiate. I had a friendship breakup a few years before my life blew up. And one of the problems that this friend had with me was that she was the one to always initiate our time together. And at the time, I was too caught up in all of the other things that went wrong in the friendship that led us to the point where we needed to just end the friendship that I didn't even hear that part until looking back at it later. And you see, I'm in the space now where I can look back at those things and not continuously beat myself up over it. Sure, does it suck that I did that? Yeah. Did I lose a friend over that completely? No, there were a lot of other reasons that we came to the conclusion that our friendship just wasn't at a place where it could work anymore. And it's crazy because I have recently thought about reaching out and just telling this person that I'm happy that they're happy now because they weren't happy then. And that made it very hard for us to be friends. But another thing that made it really hard for us to be friends is the place that I was in. I was in a situation where I did not share with people who I considered my best friends how bad where I was at was. Not just because I was manipulated into not sharing the monstrous fights, but also because 
I was autistic and didn't know it at the time and didn't realize that I don't share those things because I didn't know I could. When I was going through the diagnostic process for autism, I reached out to a few of those people that are still in my life and asked them, you know, hey, what do I do that's weird? I asked this to my best friend and she goes, well, first that. (laughs) But then she pointed out one thing that she's always had a difficult time with in our friendship. And I was very unhealthy when I was in the thick of the toxicity of the relationship I had been in at that time. And by that time, I mean prior to the diagnostic process. Since my ADHD and ASD diagnosis, I have been with a wonderful man. This is not about him. But I was in a lot of stress and undergoing a lot of trauma in the relationship prior to him. And so that put me in the hospital a lot because I have this one medical condition that is triggered by stress. And the thing that my friend had said to me that she thought was odd was that I'd be in the hospital and I wouldn't tell her. And she said to me, she was like, Amanda, I'm your best friend. And you wouldn't tell me when you were in the hospital. And my response was, I didn't know I was supposed to. And when I was going through the diagnostic criteria with my therapist, going back through all this social stuff, I realized that there are so many things that I didn't know I was supposed to do. It feels like back in kindergarten, you know, when we were first learning how to read, they gave a rule book out and they handed it out to a bunch of kids in the class, but I didn't get one. And that rule book told them how they could be friends with each other and how they could play with each other and how they could do things the way that it's expected for them to do for the rest of their life. And I didn't get that book. I didn't have it. And so for years, I've been trying to write my own pages. I've been observing and watching and learning and trying to fill in all the pieces of that book that aren't there for me. I started writing my own book, but in my head, just so that I could stay afloat. Some of those pages caused me to mask and change everything about myself because I'd watch that one person over there tell a funny joke. And so then I would think, oh, that joke works. So then I would tell the joke. But I'm a very literal person. I'm not a great joke teller. (laughs) The joke wouldn't land like 95% of the time. And I would get confused because I'd be like, hey, what, what was that? Like all the kids were laughing at this joke before. Why aren't they laughing when I tell the joke? Because I was missing a page of the rule book. And these missing pages resulted in so many missed opportunities for connection missed friendships or friendships that were lost because they started, but I didn't know how to hold on to them. And I have some friends in my life who they're used to my cycle. They're used to the, oh, Amanda gets super social for a little bit and then falls off the face of the earth and then she's social again. (laughs) And usually they don't think anything of it, either because they know and understand that this is something that I've always done or because they do it too. But right now, I'm also at a new place in my life where I'm trying not to let fear dictate so much of my world. 
because I've also lost relationships for reasons that were fear deep down at the root of it all. I've been afraid to be myself. So I wouldn't put myself out there as much and lost opportunities with great people. Or I was afraid that even if I was myself, that I would be rejected. So I'd mask and hide who I was and make inauthentic connections that when I finally did reveal me, we struggled. And don't get me started about how afraid I was all the time that I was going to say the wrong thing. I was afraid that they were going to spend hours of their night just thinking about how awful or stupid or whatever that one little sentence I said was. I am the one who lost hours over that, not someone else. But I was so afraid to embrace who I am, unmasked. I was also afraid of being a bother, which I think is a big reason why I struggled to reach out to people because I didn't know what was okay or appropriate and I didn't want to bother anyone. I was afraid people would be mad at my difficulty with remembering to reply to messages or even just remembering to reach out at all. But the thing about all of these fears is that not a single one of them moved me forward. By being afraid of being myself, I was exhausting myself because all I did in response to this was mask the true version of me and therefore kept myself from wanting to be around people because it just made me so tired. By worrying so much that I was a bother, I was limiting myself from opportunities because of some unfounded idea that I made up in my own head. Because if the other person is an adult who can share their needs and has the ability to say no, then it is not my responsibility to make those choices for them. I don't have to put that on my shoulders. They're able to decide if they want to spend time with me. They're able to decide if they want to keep being my friend. They're able to decide if they don't have the capacity to do the thing I'm asking for help with. I am allowed to ask for those things. You, listener, you are allowed to ask for those things. Your existence is not a bother. As humans, we are wired to need community. But the struggle that so many of us face is that we've had this kind of trauma around it, right? Or that we, we don't know how to seek community. Or that we live in a society that does not celebrate community, but rather celebrates individual individuality. <laughs> individuality. And no, I'm not going to edit that part out because recovering from perfectionism means that we make mistakes and we learn from them. And recovering from perfectionism is one of the things necessary to getting ourselves to a place where we can form new relationships. We cannot expect ourselves to be perfect. We cannot expect ourselves to never make a fool of ourselves. It happens. It's life. It sucks. But hey, we can learn from it. Because we won't form connections unless we are vulnerable. 
And if you want to get into that, I suggest checking out pretty much anything by Brene Brown in the last few years. Her work is incredible, and um, she talks a lot about vulnerability. She has a phenomenal TED Talk on it if you really don't want to read through one of her books, but also most of them are on audiobook too. I love her. I think she's amazing, and I hope to be the Brene Brown of neurodiversity someday. (laughs) But you see, we can't be afraid to be vulnerable. We can't be afraid that our own needs are going to be an inconvenience. For a lot of my neurodivergent listeners, I'm sure you've had this experience too. You grew up and you were told that this thing that you did was wrong and that thing that you did was wrong and you should do this and you should do that. So what is the result of that? We're going to question everything that we do then when we become adults because if everything is questioned as we're a child, you know, we can't rely on ourselves to have learned that and trust that. And this is a sad piece of being different because different isn't celebrated in our society. We're getting a little better at it, but then we have extremists who sit there and scream if you try to shake things up just a little bit. And then we're reminded that being different isn't safe. And that just glues that mask on even more. Now, In some cases, that little rebellious side of the ADHD might pop out and (laughs) you might be like, you know what, screw that, I'm going to be me. And that's amazing. And I applaud you if you have gotten to that place. But I know for many of the people that I work with in my coaching services, that place is really scary. That place where the mask doesn't exist and we are just our authentic selves, shamelessly putting ourselves out there and being proud of that vulnerability. That sounds terrifying to most people. But then you add on the layer of, well, how do I do that? And that just puts a whole nother level of complexity to the whole situation. But that doesn't mean we can't get there. On my own journey, I have learned how to unmask, when to unmask. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that I am 100% unmasked all of the time. I know the situations where it's safe for me to do so, and I know where I can't. And I've also redefined safe, because before, safe meant that I wasn't going to get judged. So... I would mask a lot more because then I was putting this perfectly curated version of Amanda out there for the world to see, and then I would be accepted, and that was safe. The reality of what safe is to me now is, will I be putting myself in a situation where I could have physical harm placed upon me or someone getting so agitated by my existence that they go and try to ruin my life? Those things are unsafe. Having someone roll their eyes at me, that's not going to blow up my whole world. That doesn't negate the fact that it won't feel good, but that is no longer something I define as unsafe for myself. Hurt people hurt people. One of the biggest reasons that people are so judgmental of others is because they are judgmental of themselves. So people's judgments of me, while yes, they don't feel good, they're not necessarily unsafe anymore. 
unless those judgments become a situation where there could be physical harm done to me because they are so infuriated with my existence. But I do want to add in here that my own personal journey has included the removal of judgment for myself and also for those around me. I am not perfect. There are definitely times where some judgment slips through and I have to remind myself that that's not who I am now. But overall, incorporating this mindfulness practice into my life has been really freeing because taking that judgment of everything around me out of the way has left so much more room for me to see others as they are and to see how beautiful that can look. And then it takes that judgment off of me too. Because the other caveat to this whole process is that if we rely on the opinions of others to boost our own self-esteem and our own confidence, then as soon as those little positive accolades go away or become criticisms, then we are broken instantaneously. Translation, if the good feelings aren't coming from within you and you are dependent on other people telling you constantly what value you provide, then when they are not saying those things, you are not able to stand with the same confidence. It's got to come from inside you, friends. And that self-growth then translates to us being able to form those authentic connections with others as our true form, as who we are. You're allowed to explore who that person is. You're allowed to try new things and to see, you know, hey, is this something I'm interested in doing, this activity here? Or is this other thing something that I want to engage in? You know, because as kids, all we want to do is grow up so that we can play with what toys we want and to hang out with who we want and to do all the things that we're not allowed to do. But then we become adults and we stop doing what we want to do and we start doing what we think is expected. And for many of us, we start doing what we think is expected because we don't have the rule book. So we're watching the judgment that someone else places on that other coworker and determining from that judgment that, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that thing that they did because then I won't get judged. I've got a radical thought to throw out at you guys right now. Let them judge you. No, seriously, let them judge you. Because here's the thing. If they're judging that hard, that's a them issue. That is nothing to do with you. Because say it one more time, friends, hurt people, hurt people. We all have our own healing to do. We all have our own shit to work through. But at the end of the day, when we find that joy and peace and happiness from within ourselves, then we are no longer dependent on the words of others to provide us that happiness. You are allowed to get that from you. It is big and it is scary and it takes hard work, which is also big and scary. But I can tell you wholeheartedly from the other side of this whole process that it is work worth doing. Now, there are days where I don't have the energy to do that work because this is not a once and done process. Just like anything else, maintenance takes time and effort. 
but maintaining takes much less time and effort than resetting. And just a little ADHD side note here, um, that goes for like all the things that you have to do. Spending 20 minutes a day to just keep your house in order is so much less work at the end of the week than the hours of reset that you might do at the end of the week. And I know that one from experience. But the same goes for ourselves, for the work that we do for us. Maintaining and constantly putting in a little bit of time and effort for you and making yourself the person that you want to be and who you really are authentically, that little bit each day adds up. You don't need to change yourself overnight because that's totally the ADHD way of doing things, right? We see a problem and we're like, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a problem that needs to be fixed, me as a person. If I just like start eating right and exercising more and reading more and using a planner and making plans with friends, I'm just going to do all those things tomorrow and then that's it. Like my new life starts then. It is so the ADHD way of doing things. I actually keep a list at my desk from 2019. The list is 10 items long, of which at least three of those items have like four subcategories of all the things that I was going to do for my summer goals to change my life. I did them for a day. I didn't change my life. I didn't make myself happier. In fact, I actually made myself more hurt because... I sat there and shamed myself because yet again, I couldn't follow through. Instead of doing the work of accepting where I was at and recognizing that, okay, there's a reason that this stuff is hard and that reason's gonna be different for everyone and it's okay if my reason is different. Instead of accepting that, I just kept making lists of how I was gonna make myself better and those lists were all compiled of pieces of other people's lives. I will never be a person who wakes up and goes to the gym first thing in the morning. But it was on my list because I wanted to be that person. I wanted to be that other person that I saw or that I was told to be. But the reality of my situation is that I do not have a body that can get up and just start working out. I'm a night workout kind of girl. I would rather work out like nine o'clock at night. That That's ideal. But even in the afternoon, I, I can hang in the afternoon. That's fine. But I had to know that about myself in order to help myself get to a place where I can thrive. When you understand and accept who you are and where you are at, you lead yourself to the most authentic version of you and can form those relationships as that person. You don't have to be somebody else. Now, this does not mean that you can't grow as the person that you are. There's always room to learn and grow, but that doesn't mean you need to change everything about yourself. And oftentimes we think that we have to change everything about ourselves because other people aren't going to like who we are. But there are more people out there like you than you think. You just got to know where to look. And because of where we are on time, we will talk about that in another episode. 
Thanks, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. Don't forget to check out my social skills and self-growth class coming up in September. And if you like what you heard today, don't forget to drop a five-star rating down there. It really helps the podcast continue to get boosted. And if there's something else that you really want to hear on the podcast, don't forget to email me at theadhdlady at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. This is your host, Amanda, signing off.